Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone here who's in person. It's lovely to see you. It's good morning to everyone who's in their pajamas watching us. It was a nice way to end that little piece, wasn't it? I almost didn't want to applaud because I was just kind of in a moment. I'm not sure how to transition out of that, but to say thank you to the band and everybody. Gregory, great job. But you know what? Before I go too much further, I do want to say thank you to everybody. Anybody who's been a part of Friend Church for a while and donates, you guys are the lifeblood of this thing. If you were here in person, you could look around and see all the people you're helping. We're giving, we give us something that's ours to inspire a place like this, to inspire everyone around us. So I just want to say thank you. Now, if you're new to Friend Church and this is something that's kind of new for you, we're completely self-funded. Everything we do is based on donations. And so, really, all of what you see here is part of people's donations. So, um, today I want to give you a bit of an update. We've had a really good year with COVID and everything that's kind of been up in the air from a financial standpoint. But, you know when you're driving out to the mountains and you see those signs like the fire hazard? It's like starts at low and medium, high, and then extreme. And then, like, if you even light a cigarette, you're going to burn down our forest. We're at, like, medium right now. Our finances are in decent shape, but we're seeing a slow trend, just a bit of a trickle down that's just not quite getting where we need to be. So if this is something that you are a part of and you haven't been uh, somebody who donates to Friend Church, I just want to ask you to consider it. See if this place is something that you want to make happen for you and for everyone around you. If you're wondering how to do it, you can go online. I think they're going to show up something, friendchurch.ca. There's a button that says donate. The app you can do, or there's a black box at the back if you're old school and you have checks. I, I really want to ask, does anyone have checks these days? But that's just embarrassing if I ask you to put your hand up. Oh, Marco, you do. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to transition to Jeff. Well, good morning, Friends Church. It's Jeff here. Um, so I'm off location right at the moment. We just got wind uh, last night about the COVID restrictions that are dropping. So you'll have to bear with us as we're trying to revamp how community will look um, if, in fact, it becomes an issue, meeting indoors as groups and whatever. But um, I, regardless of what happens on that front, I'm excited to introduce you to a newer member of Friends Church. This is Carl McPhee. And uh, yeah, good morning, Carl. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Carl's starting a community group that won't be affected by any indoor restrictions, which is awesome. He's starting a group called the Outdoor Live Your Adventure Group. And uh, right. I, wanted, I wanted him to just tell you a little bit about it. But before we do, Carl, tell us a little bit about yourself. You haven't been at Friends Church that long. No, I think we've been, yeah, we've been coming for about a year, but, you know, COVID certainly has played a role, role in, in whether or not we're showing up. But, uh, yeah, who's Carl? Carl's a husband, a father, <laughs> you know, a, a lifelong adventurer and lifelong learner. I was a veteran, or I'm a veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, was in the health and wellness industry for over 20 years, and now I'm just finishing up uh, nursing school. So that's my newest adventure. But um, I think you, you're looking at me outside right now. I'm in my happy place. <laughs> you do a lot and, uh, of running and outdoor yeah. adventure, uh, hiking. Yeah. yeah, I've been an endurance athlete, an outdoor endurance athlete my whole adult life, you know, mountain biking and trail running. And 
I do a lot of camping and that type of stuff. So uh, this is where I come to get grounded. Right on. And you're leading a group here starting, I think, what, beginning of October? October 2nd, I think, is the Saturday is the first time that we're going to get together, yeah. What's this group about? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm not alone in this room. We're, there's a lot of people that are sort of craving and looking for a sense of community. Um, and no better place to create a sense of community than outside um, through movement in nature. And because what I find is that, you know, we, when we're moving with a group of people outside, we tend to have a deeper, more meaningful conversation that we, than we do, uh, you know, sitting across from each other uh, at a table. And, um, you know, I thought it'd be nice to get people out to do some fun stuff, you know, and, and sort of whether it's going for hikes or having a fireside chat uh, in Fish Creek Park or, or going to the mountains and, and doing something there. So that's what I'm looking uh, at doing with the group. How often are you thinking about meeting? So officially, you know, once a month uh, for a full group meeting. But well, I'm also looking at using sort of the social media or the group app that we have through the church or even WhatsApp to be a bit of a, you know, a base camp for the groups so that we can all share um, our own adventures. You know, maybe somebody is wanting to go for a hike of their own and they toss that message out to the group and, and, um, and then some of the members of that group can go and meet with them as well. And I'll be doing the same thing. Um, but also in addition to the, outdoors stuff my my goal is to have some sort of facilitated conversations over uh the social media side of things so that we can all connect with each other that way and uh we have some conversations there that make us think a little bit as well wow so not just the outdoor adventuring thing but also kind of an ongoing conversation that can happen midweek digitally from people's phones or whatever Kind of Absolutely. Keeping people connected. Man, I love this idea. Yeah. What, if, what if you end up with like 30 or 35 people signing up for this thing? I mean, I know this, the signup's already pretty strong. Like it's a good size mm-hmm. group. What happens if everyone's going, look at, I'm getting outdoors. This sounds great. Do you have a plan? <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. The, the, uh, you've met Dwayne. He's a, uh, my partner in crime, you know, he's, yeah. just, he's, he's always out here with me too. And, and the two of us are going to sort of be part of the group as sort of, you know, co-leaders, I, I guess you can call us, but um, you know, based on the COVID regulations, we're definitely going to be following that. And, you know, if we have 30 people show up, we can always break up into smaller groups as well right. uh, when we go and do our adventures and yeah. we'll communicate that effectively with the group uh, so that, you know, everybody's safe and, uh, but we all have that intimate opportunity to yeah. connect with each other as well. I love this. I love the sound of all of this, Carl. I'm looking forward to being involved. <laughs> I look at um, folks, if you want to be involved in this, all you have to do is go to our friendschurch.ca website forward slash groups, and you'll see uh, Carl along with a number of other groups that are launching. Uh, jump in. Hey, Carl, thanks. Thanks for joining hey. us from your happy place this morning. I hope you <laughs> enjoy the rest of your hike out there and uh, we'll chat with you on location, hopefully sometime soon. Folks, I've gone for a run with Carl in the Weaselhead. That guy knows every trail, back alley, whatever. If you want to go out with him, he's a blast. He's also been part of our bike club, him and Dwayne, great guys. I can't recommend them enough. Uh, 1991, I was uh, at a place called Canadian Bible College in Regina. 
Regina in the winter. <laughs> it's about what you think it is. I'm sitting in the chapel. They have this big chapel. I'm in the top balcony by myself, kind of a bit of a loner. And they're having a service, kind of like ours, kind of different. It's music. They called it a worship music service. So it's basically a concert. And I'm sitting there and kind of just in the moment, there's a band on stage, lights, lyrics on the screen, just like what we have. And all of a sudden this song comes up. I don't remember. I think it had something to do with a deer. But it was like as that song, that lyric came up on the screen and as they played it, something happened in me or maybe around me. Felt like suddenly I connected to something there. It's almost like all the voices together, I felt connected to everybody. And even wider than that. There wasn't a strong sense of Vince's in the room and Vince's analyzing the sound and Vince's thinking about this. No, it was something bigger and wider than that. I don't know what I would call it. I say I connected with something more. <laughs> and you see, I have to make this motion with my hands. It's like there's our regular life and then there's more than that. There's an interconnectedness of the universe. And in that moment, I felt close to that. Any of you ever have those moments? I remember being in a cathedral in Portugal. Huge cathedral. I don't know. Whoever designs cathedral literally studies how to make these moments happen. I'm in there. The light's coming through the stained glass window. The scale of it is so incredible. And suddenly, again, you feel that sense of smallness. Or on top of mountains, you guys know that feeling? You look over the vastness of all these peaks. I love that feeling. I call it more, capital M, more. Some people call it God. For them, it's personified. That's cool. But it's the sense that, okay, there's this physical part of our lives, and that's all fine and good, and I love it, and I love doing that part of my life, but it's like there's something else going on that I'm connecting with. If you want me to prove it, not interested. There's no proof for this. Was I high in that moment? Sure, whatever. But we've had those moments where something more happened. So I want you to just take a second and sit back and ask yourself, when did I have that moment or those moments? Is it in a conversation with somebody? this incredible moment back and forth, or somebody comes alongside of you in the perfect place in the perfect time, and suddenly there's just this like, <gasps> I can get it from ideas. I read something in a book, and it's just this thing that blows my mind, and suddenly everything I knew is gone, and the whole sense of Vince as a person who has this all figured out just dissolves. 
love those moments. There's a moment in the second song. Hey, Gregory, sorry to put you on the spot, buddy, but what was your second song again? All God's children. One before that, see the, see, the, see the love. He's singing about see the love, and I'm like, that's my whole message right there. And I can feel, again, this connection to something bigger. So if you're here, my guess is there's some flavor of that that you're looking for. If you just wanted self-help, you can go to a counselor. They'll do a way better job than I will. But you're looking for that plus something. A sense that you had as a child or that you've, you've remembered or you've seen people have and you're going, oh, no, no, I want that in my life. The thing that is bigger than just getting up, going to work, making a coffee, whatever. And that's what we've been a part of for years, 22 years now, Friend Church has been around. It's incredible, isn't it? And in that time, we've asked ourselves over and over again, how do we connect to something more? We've got all these different models along the way. They're fantastic. Jeff actually started talking about our model last week, didn't he? Did everyone hear the one about awareness? Oh, if you haven't heard that one, I'd highly recommend go back and listen to it. He talked about this idea that at the heart of our spirituality isn't just these magic moments where Gregory plays the perfect line and Kyla has the perfect harmony and Rod plays the perfect note on his violin and you had the perfect drive here and your coffee's perfect and then suddenly you have a moment, a magical moment. Wouldn't that be great if I could just play the perfect note every time? But Jeff said, actually, no, no, no. In part of this whole journey that we're on to find these, this connection to something more, there's things that we need to be doing. He talked about being aware of being conscious of the unconscious. What a great thing, huh? I'm unconscious of what's going on inside of me. And the spiritual journey is to try to figure out what those things are that I'm unconscious of. Do you know there's a part of your brain, there's a technical word for it. I'm going to use a different lang. It's called the bullshit part of your brain. <laughs> its job, literally, literally its job is to make up stories to justify things inside of you. To explain things. So let's say you get up in the morning, you're late for work, you rush out the door. You're working crazy, whatever, school, office, kids, whatever. By 2 o'clock, somebody comes into your life and they say something with a weird tone. You know that tone where they're kind of being a bit like looking down on you, a little, you know, like. And you can just feel yourself getting so angry. Why do you use that tone? The bullshit part of your brain says this. They used a tone. They deserve everything they got. You should be raising your voice at them, yelling at them, because how dare they do that? And let's just say we don't use that yell at them. They're going to go around into the whole world talking to people like this? That's no good. We have to yell at them. We should yell more. That's the bullshit part of your brain. You know what's really going on? You're hangry. 
You haven't eaten since whatever, last night. You skipped breakfast, lunch. It's 2 o'clock now. Your body's dysregulated. The bullshit part of your brain, though, doesn't want you to know that you're hangry. It wants to justify that you just yelled at somebody, somebody you maybe even love. Awareness says, wait a second, wait a second, stop, 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 stop. I'm about to lose my mind at somebody. I'm in traffic about to scream at somebody. I'm about to do something that I wouldn't do to somebody that I love, but I'm about to do it. What's going on? Oh, actually, I'm a little hungry. Let me eat a sandwich and then see if I still feel this way. That's awareness. Anyone ever feel feelings to this week? Has the government announced a new set of restrictions? Would the bullshit part of your brain tell you? How dare they? Blah, 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 blah. This is wrong. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever side of the fence you're on. It's the bullshit part of your brain is trying to explain why you feel that way. The reality is, none of us like being told what to do. Of course we're going to feel upset. Part of our spiritual journey, it seems, is learning to be aware of what's going on. Hearing the voice of the bullshit voice inside of your head that's going, no, 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 Vince, you absolutely can do that. That's completely justified. No, 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 no. This is exactly what's going on. There's no other explanation. It's exactly this. Do you know the sound of that voice in your head? Part of our spiritual journey seems to be knowing that voice and being like, okay, 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 okay. I know you have a whole reason why I should buy this new dirt bike. It's a fantastic reason. But the reality is, I don't need it. Part of our spiritual journey is tied to awareness. And what we've seen through all of the history of Friend Church, 22 years, if you don't have awareness, it's almost like you're trying to drive down the road in your car and it's out of gas and it's kind of like sputtering and you can't get any motion. You can't find that next gear. You come into a space like this thinking, oh, this will be beautiful. I'll come in here. I'll listen to the music. I'll listen to a talk. I'll sit with other like-minded people. It'll have this moment of more, but you just totally dysregulate on the way in. Pick a fight with your partner, your kids. Come up with some reason why the person driving in front of you absolutely shouldn't be driving that speed on a Sunday morning when you're late to frickin' church and you don't even have a coffee. And you walk in here pissed. You don't even know why you're pissed. Then you wonder, why didn't the magic happen? Do you see how awareness is tied to this whole experience? Okay. Let me ask you this. Do you know where you are in your level of awareness in your life. Give yourself a, a score, one to 10. One is I'm completely unaware. The bullshit part of my brain is running my whole life. It's justifying everything I do. I'm wrecking things, I'm hurting people, I'm doing whatever I want. The things I should be doing, absolutely not doing them. That's a one. 
10 is you're a bloody ninja. You know everything that's going on inside of you. Where are you? And I don't say this to shame. When we actually quantify things, we have power in our lives. If I think that I'm a 10 and I'm actually a 2, I won't do any work in this area. The awareness part of my life will be completely, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm just going to go buy a new motorcycle again. It'll be fine. Where are you? One, five, ten. If you're low, now you know where to work. If you're high, if you're like an eight out of ten, let's talk about the next part of our spiritual journey. It's not next. Me and Jeff have wrestled through how to talk about this. Some journeys or some models of spirituality we've used had this kind of stage where it was like you start in grade one, then you go to grade two, but you laugh at the grade oneers because they're grade oneers and you're a grade twoer. So you're much more mature than they are. And then you graduate to grade three and you laugh at the twos and the ones. You're trying to figure out how to get to four. This one's not like that. This is kind of like all of these tools in our lives create these thin places. So let me talk to you about an additional tool, the next tool. We're driving to Guatemala. I don't know if you guys realize this, but for years we've supported a little town in Guatemala called Rio Azul. It's blue water. That's what the town's name means. Beautiful place. The people there are just gorgeous. It's such a great place. But man... You would walk in there and you'd see adults this tall, like not even up to my shoulders. They have eaten so poorly and they're so poor for so long that they can't grow to full height anymore. Their kids have, you know, half sick days. Not, when I, not a half day. Half of all the days they could go to school, they're actually homesick. The water's bad, so they have diarrhea, stomach's bad. This town was just on the downswing. Poverty was just going to take them out. And so we came along, helped them get clean water. They built a tank. We helped. (laughs) They helped. No, we went there. They did all the hard work, and we just kind of walked around with them because we couldn't work as hard as they could. We built them, helped them build clean water, got it to each one of their, their houses. Then we got the gray water out, the sewage out. Slowly, the town started to come back. Slowly. And so we're driving down there to see what's going on, to bring the conversation back to you guys. And we fly into Guatemala City, and it's about a six-hour drive from Guatemala City to Rio Azul, to this town. Like seven people from Calgary. And the thing you guys don't realize is, when you fly into Guatemala City, all good. Rio Azul, kind of third world. Between there and there, absolutely third world. And the the guide says to us, he's like, look, you can eat nothing, nothing between here and there. You go to any street vendor, I'd be like, hey, those fries smell pretty good. Can I have some of those? He's like, you will be puking for a week. Nothing. So we have a six-hour drive from Guatemala City to Rio Azul. And he says, we're going to stop once at one restaurant, Polo Campero. 
It's like Latin American KFC. Beautiful little place. He's like, that's the only place that has food that a Westerner's stomach can eat. It's not that the food's bad. It's my stomach's not used to the bacteria in that food. And if I eat it, I'm going to be sick. So, a bunch of us pull in there. It's like 10 a.m. in the morning to a fried chicken place. (laughs) We all get out of the bus, kind of stumble our way in. I'm the last person. Everyone orders a coffee. You know, what else do you order at 10 in the morning? Order a coffee. But I'm in there, and I'm in the, kind of this phase of my life where I only eat protein and fat. I know it sounds like a weird diet. It was because I was running long distances. You don't eat any carbs. Well, what's fried chicken? Protein and lots of fat. So I go in at 10 a.m. in the morning, and I'm looking, and I'm like, hey, do you guys, well, actually, the translator says, hey, do you have any fried chicken? They're like, yeah, of course. Like at 10 a.m. in the morning? Yeah, of course. Bring it on. Four pieces of dark meat chicken. Stat. So they bring it out. We all jump back in the bus. Everyone's cracking open their coffees. I'm in the back of the bus because I have the most robust stomach, and everyone else got motion sick getting there. And so we crack open our meals. People are, you know, sipping their coffee. I'm in the back like, ooh, can't wait for my fried chicken. Like, oh, this is going to be so good. 10 a.m. in the morning. And I'm about to do one of these. And I hear the whole bus stop talking. You know those parties where suddenly it's like everything is perfectly silent? And I'm at the back doing like this. I look around. Someone says, what you got there, Clausen? I said, fried chicken. And then he said something that shook me for years. He said, did you bring any for us? There's a story from our, biblical, or our spiritual tradition. It's a story about Jesus. He's out having some quiet time one day. And people find him. 5,000 families find him. And they want him to be a part of their lives, to do special things for them. And he does. And for the whole day, he's doing all kinds of incredible things with them. And at the end of the day, his students come around and they're like, yo, Jesus, how about we send everyone home because there's nothing to eat out here and let's head into town for some fried chicken. The fried chicken might be an addition I put into the biblical text, but let's just assume it was there. Give me some fried chicken. Jesus says this. He says, what are you going to do to feed those people? What are you going to do for them? You know they're hungry. Are you even thinking about them? What do they need? You see, folks, the model Jeff started talking about last week is the culmination of all this research we've done for decades now. What creates an amazing spiritual journey? 
What makes the world work at a spiritual level? How do we engage in our spiritual journey? And what we found over time is that if the journey's all about me, what's in it for me, say a prayer and I go to heaven and that's all this is about, when our journey's like that, it feels anemic, dead. If that was our whole spiritual journey, the Bible would be one page. Do this and everything will be fine. And yet Jesus time and time again says, hey, 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 what about them? What are you going to do for them? At the beginning of a friend's journey, we didn't talk about them at all. It was all about me. How do we get me into a good place? How do we get me healthy? Then we realized, wait a second, without awareness... This thing starts to fall apart. That was Jeff's message last week. But without a sense of everyone else, it's almost like things don't work. We can only get so far, and then we hit a barrier, and we can't connect to anything more. I'm telling you, I probably have bought, you know, fast food a million times in my life, literally a million. The times that I buy it for somebody else, Those are the times I remember the most. There's something special that happens when we look at people around us and go, wait a second, what can I do for them? That's why we called it them. There's I, I'll talk about that next week, and them. Who are they? Anyone that's not you. Take a second, look beside you. Look the other way. That's them. Everyone on your messaging list, that's them. People you've never met before, that's them. People in Guatemala, in Rio Azul, that's them. Everyone in this world around us that's not us is them. And the question is, what do they need from us? I was watching the Hunger Games. Anyone seen the Hunger Games series? We're a little late to the party. We just started watching it the other day. We started to watch through the whole series. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, just ignore me for like two seconds. The Hunger Game, though, sees what I just said. Says this focus on them. And then puts a twist on it that's beautifully spiritual. The story is about this dystopian future where there's this massive civil war and the world is broken up into 12 groups, 12 districts with a capital in the center. The capital runs everything and forces all the districts to do whatever they want, to work like slaves, to live in poverty so the capital can thrive. In order to keep the, cap- or the districts under control, they have this thing called the Hunger Games. That's where the name comes from. It's kind of like the worst reality TV show you've ever seen. Every district brings two people forward, and they have this whole, like, reality TV match. Winner takes all. (laughs) Hey, Ezra, how's it going, buddy? (laughs) He's a big fan of Hunger Games. (laughs) Winner take all. Except instead of getting voted off the island... They kill each other on national TV. 
so everyone can see the power of the capital. And the movie starts with this one district, District 12. And the capital has come to District 12 and said, who are your two volunteers or the two people you're going to send to the Hunger Games to fight to the death for all of our amusement? Who's going to come? And they pick names out of a hat of all the eligible teenagers. It's all teenagers. They pick out a hat and they pick out this one name. Now the hero of the Hunger Games, is her name's Katniss Everdeen. She's badass. But her sister's not. Her sister's a small, meek, shy little girl. When Katniss hears that her sister's name's been pulled out of the hat to go and fight to the death in the Hunger Games, she knows what everyone in that room knows. She will never make it out alive. Katniss looks at her sister, the person who is them in her life, and knows at the depths of her soul she will not make it. And so Katniss does the thing that is profoundly spiritual, that we all feel is profoundly spiritual. She says, I will take her place. Save my sister. I'll go in her stead. And we're all feeling these open-hearted, profoundly spiritual. This is incredible. This is the whole focus on them that we've been talking about. That's part of all our spiritual lives. When we look at the Gandhis and the Mother Teresas in the world and we see this kind of behavior, we go, well, of course that's spiritual. Of course. But as we watched through the movies, something else came up for me. Because I think we all have a sense of them in our lives, the people we love, the people we care for, who we want to take care of. But there's other people who don't fit in our them, do they? Katniss's sister, of course. But as the show progresses, we meet the new enemy. His name's um, President Snow. If you can't really see it in the picture, but he's got these really like horny uh, eyebrows. He's definitely bad. If you don't know, his eyebrows will tell you he's bad. He's the person who is pulling all the strings, who's making the Hunger Games happen, who's forcing teenagers to kill each other so that everyone stays calm. They realize we can't go against the capital. That's him. And as I started to watch the show, I saw Katniss give herself for her sister. And I go, oh, it's a beautiful expression of taking care of them. But here's the question that it left me with as we got into the movies. Would Katniss have done that for someone else? Would she have given up her life for President Snow? Her enemy. And suddenly the spiritual journey just kind of chunked into a deeper level, didn't it? How do we love the people around us when we don't like them? When they're our enemy? When they've hurt us, when they've treated us poorly, how do we love them? Do we love them? What about boundaries? How do I balance what I need against what they need? And 
do I have to love everybody? What about people who are treating people that I love poorly? How does a spiritual journey look when we try and balance justice and love, boundaries and caring, us, me, and them? That's why the Bible's like that thick. It's full of stories of Jesus saying, hey, how do we do it here? What does love look like here? What's the balance? How do we do this? How, what does justice look like? What does caring look like? How do we handle this? At one point, his disciples say, hey, Jesus, just like, seriously, this is getting too hard. Just simplify it. Tell us what to do. Say it plain. Jesus says, no, it's not how it works. Part of the spiritual journey is wrestling through how do we love them even when we don't like them? How do we love them when they've hurt us, mistreated us? Oh, suddenly that gets painful, doesn't it? Me and my wife were talking this week. She's like, who's the them that you don't like? Oh, <laughs> let me list them off. <laughs> Folks, there's something beautiful about a spiritual journey that's both aware of the unconscious. It's not living with these forces that are ripping through our lives and causing us to do crazy things. It's not being run by that bullshit part of our brain that explains everything. It honors them, the people around us both the people we love and we care for and the people we disagree with, the people outside of our group. And I don't know about you, but right now, our world seems like we are doing this more poorly than I've seen in a long time. How do we disagree with someone and still love them? How do we make different choices and still treat them with respect? That is part of our spiritual journey. At least in all the work that we've done at Friend Church, if you don't have this part solid, the other parts get a little harder to find. So I know today was kind of technical, but I want to encourage you to leave. Ask yourself, who needs me? Which of them needs something from me? Does someone in your life need a phone call? A caring note? A coffee? Does someone need respect? To be treated as an equal, even though you might disagree with everything that they're doing. Can you still show love and respect? Are there people in your lives who need something from you? And are you open to the conversation? to wrestling through, how do I still love? Though giving up justice, boundaries, and all that stuff, we'll talk about that more. But how do I focus on them and value them? I want to leave you by saying, think of the person in your life that's the hardest to love. 
think of them, bring their face to mind. And ask yourself, how do I love that person? How do I love them? Folks, that's the end. But before I leave, I just want to do a big shout out. I was out dirt biking at McLean Creek yesterday. A guy came down a hill, went horribly wrong, smashed himself all up, broken femur. Four people out of nowhere were just there with their family hanging out. Went over, took care of him, called 911, got the helicopters in, took care of him. To all the people who were involved in that rescue, focusing on them a stranger that you don't know, a stranger doing stuff that you sh they shouldn't have been doing, for all the people who care about them in this world, I want to say thank you. You are all a profound influence in my life. Have a great week, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>